Hello! Welcome! I'm Sam. And I'm Lynn. And this is Coast to Coast Cryptids. Super spooky. We're here. It's fucking Halloween! Well, like, in, in two days. It'll, it'll probably be Halloween two, by the time I, I post it. Doesn't matter. It's Halloween. <laughs> this whole... The whole month of October is Halloween, and you will never change my mind on that. I don't care that I'm 27. <laughs> I will be 50 and still firmly believe that. You will never change my mind. Tonight, we got two relatively short ones. Yeah, they're, they're pretty Mine's- short. Yeah, they're pretty short. Mine's probably going to be a little longer because I have the... I have a retelling of the original tale that inspired the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Which I'm fucking excited about. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it itself isn't too long. So, obviously, mine is the Headless Horseman. And how Sleepy Hollow basically, like, became its own folk folktale in America. Which I know literally nothing about. Yeah, so, um, it's actually pretty interesting. Would you like me to go first, or would you like to go first? Because yours is also, like, spooks me out, and Kyle is refusing to listen to this episode. <laughs> Because um, they are of the firm belief that if they think too hard about uh, uh, your your topic, they they will create one, and that is just mind-alteringly scary to them. <laughs> yeah, th- no, that's fair. Um, I don't really have a lot. I think I have like three pages. Yeah. I got like a page and a half. You want to go first? <laughs> uh, sure. Sure. Okay. Sure. So, uh, I got so Um, I don't remember which episode it was, but we did talk about this before. I think it was the shadow people. Maybe. I think you might be right. But, uh, yeah, tulpas. It comes from, uh, the Tibetan Sprulpa. I'm pretty sure I said that horribly wrong, and I apologize. Which means emanation or magical creation, and is the equivalent of the, to a calc of Sanskrit, which is Nirmita or Nirmana. Which means build. Okay. Yeah, so uh, the definition of tulpa is, as a Buddhist concept, they are defined as a magical creature that attains corporeal reality, having been merely imaginary, which basically is you're manifesting your thoughts and you brought it into being by the power of belief. They are capable of independent action, have a personality, and an identity. 
and basically is an imaginary friend made real. So, uh, as thought forms, it's classified by theosophist Annie Besant into three categories in her book of the name Thought Forms as one, forms in the shape of the person who creates them, essentially creating another version of you. Two, forms that resemble objects or people and may become possessed by nature spirits or the spirits of those past. So basically, uh, if it's a person and you think of someone that has already passed away and then their spirit possesses this thought form. It's okay. Yeah. And three forms that represent inherent qualities from the astral or mental planes. Basically abstract things like ideas or feelings and emotions. Okay. In his book, The Human Aura, William Walker Atkinson posits that thought forms are merely ethereal objects emanating from the auras of people and generated by their feelings and their thoughts. So basically, it can be anything and can come alive through various means. I'm just like thinking back to all of my imaginary friends when I was a kid, and I would not want half of them to be real. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, I'm following. Like, um, if you think it, you can make it. Yeah, which is honestly, it makes me scared of uh, like artists or just creators in general. Because Mm -hmm. they have so much power. And if this can be a thing, then they're probably the most powerful people in the world. That's true. You've, like, I've I've never sat back and just, like, thought about the psychic ability of artists before. But shit, man. (laughs) Now it's gonna be all you can think of. Which is horrifying. (laughs) New fear unlocked. (laughs) So, um, there was this really badass spiritualist named Alexandra David Neal. Definitely recommend looking her up. She is super cool. But, um, there was a ban on, uh, traveling, I think, to and from Tibet. You couldn't go into Tibet. Right? Okay. But uh, she did. And during her <laughs> exhibitions, uh, she claimed to have witnessed the practice of tulpamancy and thought form manifestation, and that she herself created a tulpa during her time there. Uh, she described it as looking like a Friar Tuck esque monk. And that after some time, it grew to be increasingly more mane- malevolent. I can I can speak properly, I promise you. And that eventually, <laughs> it had to be destroyed. She okay. also said that uh, tulpas are magic formations generated by a powerful concentration of thought, and believed that they could gain a consciousness of their own. 
and she's quoted as saying, Once the tulpa is endowed with enough vitality to be capable of playing the part of a real being, it tends to free itself of its master's control. Which is um, okay. a theme of tulpas in, um, in media or in just in general, that they are mostly malevolent after a while and they need to be destroyed. So on that note, tulpamancy. And I found at least two sites, including WikiHow, that show you how to make a tulpa. This is not an endorsement, I'm just telling you what I found. So like, if you create a tulpa and it grows rogue, I'm in no way responsible for your actions or the actions of the tulpa. Thank you and goodbye. So as you can imagine, tulpamancy is the practice of creating a tulpa. Though not necessarily controlling it as uh, almost every site that I've read so far has said that most of the time the creator eventually loses control of the tulpa and it becomes malicious, like I said, which is like nine times out of ten. Would not recommend. Okay. So. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Don't fucking do it. <laughs> Unless you're like a trained Tibetan Buddhist monk. They clearly know what they're doing. Yes, and I am not that. No. So, um, the term Tulpamancy was coined by, um... Uh, here's where it got really fun, my research. It was coined by uh, 4chan and Reddit communities that were dedicated to Tulpas. A 4chan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want me to take information from 4chan? No. I want you to take information okay. from me that I got from 4chan. <laughs> I mean, kind of, not really. Like, it was other sites that reported that it came from. Okay. <laughs> so it's like third-hand information. <laughs> All credibility. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so, uh, 4chan and Reddit communities that were dedicated to Tulpas. Um, so <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm gonna be more discredited as this goes. <laughs> Please okay. be nice to me. <laughs> people like to ruin the things so naturally they did when adult my little pony fans who are also members of these communities banded together and began discussing creating tulpas of the characters no yep they are no reported, yep <laughs> to have begun to use <laughs> no meditation and lucid dreaming to create them. Why do bronies keep popping up in my life? 
Please make me suffer. I just went out. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. That's what you got, though. So there was a survey done in this community by a Dr. Samuel Vissier. I think that's how you pronounce it. But uh, he's an assistant professor of psychiatry at McGill, among other things. There was a long list of things. And it showed that active members were in the low hundreds. In-person meetings were rare. They mostly belonged to primarily urban, middle-class, Euro-American, adolescent, and young adult demographics. Uh, they cite loneliness and social anxiety as an incentive to pick up the practice. 93.7% reported that their involvement made their mental conditions better, which meditation will do that, I suppose. Yeah, med meditation is an active tool in, in aiding anxiety and depression. And uh, some... <sighs> why, 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 why are you sighing? Some reported, or were alleged to, have sexual and romantic interactions with their tulpas. Though that's considered controversial and leads towards taboo. I promise you they didn't. I, I, for my own sanity, for my own mental health, I, I need to say that they didn't. What? You? <laughs> no. Uh, even, I'm moving on. Um, please. Yeah, so in media... Don't, please don't <laughs> fuck your tulpa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, in media, they usually tend to be chaotic evil at worst or chaotic neutral at best they always they almost always turn on their creator or act as the antagonist to the protagonist due to the negative emotions driving them some examples uh in naruto originally thought to be madara's will manifested but really being kaguya's will black setsu is an example both Hal Jordan and Kyle Rayner created a tulpa with their rings, um, the Chiller Diller and Oblivion, respectively. And honestly, there's too many to name. It's a fairly popular storytelling device in media and has been in things such as DNE, D DNE, DND, the Persona series, <laughs> Supernatural. Don't laugh at me, Sam. <laughs> no, I, I, I remember the Supernatural episode where they used Tulpas. <laughs> um, Supernatural, Doctor Who, X-Files, Neil Gaiman's Sandman and American Gods, The Babadook, Frozen and Ratatouille, both DC and Marvel comics, and so much more. And these are just things that I've recognized and know. There were others. Wait, there were so many other rat ratatouille. Yeah, uh, I didn't. The 
the movie about the rat that makes ratatouille yeah uh oh right it was uh the chef that remy uh is imaginary friends with oh yeah Gusto. yeah yeah that guy and um in frozen it's olaf olaf is the tulpa Oh my god, Olaf Satopa. Yeah. Can Zo- can- Can my kids not watch- oh god. <laughs> we watch Frozen he was- on the daily. Yeah. He- he- he was an imaginary friend. He was just a snowman, and then Elsa brought him to life. Through her magic. Olaf Satopa. Oh my god. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait. Now, no. Now yeah. I'm just thinking about all of the kids shows. All of the kids shows and movies we watch like daily. And like so many of them have tulpas. Oh, do you remember Chalk Zone? And Foster's Imaginary... Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends. All Tulpas. Oh my god, all of them are Tulpas. Not Eduardo. Yep. Not Eduardo. Especially Eduardo. No! (laughs) I'm here to ruin childhoods. You can't see it, but I am currently curled up on a... children's mattress in the fetal position just reliving my childhood and being horrified <laughs> you're welcome oh my god so many episodes of the grim adventures of billy and mandy hmm were there tulpas in i mean yeah, because Billy, like, imagined a couple, like, in a couple different ep- episodes, Billy would imagine something while he was holding the scythe. And then Grimm would get mad at him and be like, stop holding my scythe and, scythe and using your brain. It's not, it's not supposed to be what it's for. I don't remember much... That show was a whole fucking that show was a whole fucking nightmare so like I shouldn't be surprised. I remember loving it so much. Oh my god, it was one of my favorite shows. I would watch it and then I would immediately wait I would wait and I would watch the spin-off series. There was a spin-off series? Um yeah, it came on directly after The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. It was like that brain that had the brain and the stomach that were implanted into a bear. And the brain and the stomach were evil, but the stomach was always thwarting the brain's plans because it would be like, no, I'm hungry. And so the bear would like go and try and eat something. I don't remember that at all. That's fair. That's fair, but I remember I would watch that daily. And, oh, 
Oh, my entire childhood is nothing but tulpas. <laughs> How am I not more haunted? Because you didn't think about them, so therefore it didn't affect you? We're going to go with that. We're going to go with the fact that I've not just been, like, possibly ignoring the fact that I'm super fucking haunted for my entire life. <laughs> so, uh, your turn. Dual haunt time. <laughs> oh my I'm emotionally shattered. Okay. You're welcome. Alright, so I thought it would be fun... Because Halloween time, everyone knows, um, well, probably not everyone, but... Most everyone. Almost everyone has either seen the Disney movie or the Tim Burton movie about Sleepy Hollow and the Headless Horseman. And Sleepy Hollow really, like, solidified it into American folklore. But the Headless Horseman, in itself, is actually traced back to the Middle Ages. So, like, it's pretty self-explanatory as to what it is. It's a person riding on a horse, either holding their head, entirely missing a head, having a jack-o'-lantern. They, they, they are uh, sans cranium. No head to be found <laughs> attached to their neck. Sans cranium. <laughs> Sans cranium. So, like, yeah, the, the basic mythos of it can be traced back to the Middle Ages, including um, stories from the Brothers Grimm, the Dutch and the Irish. Uh, the Dutch, the Irish have a legend of the Dullahan or the Gansien? Gansien? Um, which is like a grim reaper-like rider. And there's also um, a Scottish one and a German one. Basically, most... Um, I was only able to find uh, Eurocentric information because Google spits out Eurocentric information more readily than it does uh, really any place else. So I, I was able to find it was it was almost evident in most European folklore. Um, so specifically, the Irish Dullahan um, is a fey creature that is like a a, a soul collector. It is a um. It's considered to be a herald of death, but unlike Banshees, the Dullahan does not pursue specific families, and it's not able to regularly talk or call out. It's only able to say one word or phrase on each of its rides, and that word, of, word or phrase is just its intended person's name. And, and they specifically, uh, and, and when they call that name, they are specifically summoning the soul of that dying person, rather than giving a warning. 
So, so like, the Dullahan is... Yeah. Are they actively dying at the moment that the Dullahan goes on the ride? Or does the Dullahan going on the ride mean that they're dying? Like, going... Hmm. So the Dullahan does not kill them. Right. They're just there to be like, um, okay, your time has come. Now it's time to come with me so I can take you to your afterlife type of deal. Okay. But they don't, they're not nice about it. They don't give the, the option of, well, no, wait, let me play a game with you to see if I can spare my soul. They're they're getting the fucking bag or I'm gonna make it a new problem. <laughs> so like they just like they Krampus style just toss you in a bag. So the Dualham is normally depicted as being a lone rider on a lone horse. Um, they're usually mounted on a black speed that just um, like races and like thunders through the night. Um, the description I have says he uses a human spine as a whip. The horse That's sends out hell. sparks and flames right the horse sends out sparks and flames from its nostrils as it charges forth so like i imagine the dulahan that does not like because some also have a carriage but i imagine the ones that don't just like have something they can collect the souls in but i think they only collect one soul at a time mm-hmm. so i'm not I'm not super sure how they would get the soul back to the afterlife, but they're they're probably not the nicest about it. So they definitely shovel them in a bag, Krampus style. That's yeah, probably, probably. Um, so that was one description of the Dulhan. Another um, in some parts of the country, Ireland, um, the Dulhan drives a black coach, which is known as a Coach a Bower from the Irish Posti Boder, meaning deaf or silent coach. It's drawn by six black horses and travels so fast that the friction created by its movement often sets fire to the bushes along the sides of the road. All gates fly open to let the rider and the coach through no matter how firmly they are locked. There is there is no way to stop a Dulahan once it has started its ride. Sick. Yeah. I also found information this was just from one site uh, where if you saw a Dulahan on, on their ride they and, and you were not the intended target, your eyes would bleed, you might temporarily or permanently go blind. Um, if you heard their call, your ears might bleed, you might temporarily or permanently go deaf. Um, 
so they're just they're they're not here to play around they're here to do a job they're gonna do that job and you're gonna like it and if you don't that sucks for you bro get in the fucking bag <laughs> so that was like the the irish version of the headless horseman the most prominent scott tale um concerns a man named ewan who was decapitated in a clan battle at Glen Kinnear on the Isle of Mole. And this battle basically denied him any chance to be a chieftain. And so both he and his horse are headless in accounts of the haunting of the area. And like, he'll just like, I know, I don't know what the horse did, but the horse is also decapitated. Um, so, like, he's been he's been seen, like, in that area. But from what I found, like, not really leaving it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the 14th century poem by Gawain. And the, the green poem Gawain and the Green Knight which features a headless horseman who's like the titular giant knight and um, after after the giant knight the headless horseman was beheaded by Gawain the Green Knight lifts his own head up with one hand and rides from the hall, challenging Gawain to meet him again one year later. So, like, instead of entering the story as a headless horseman, he leaves it and, like, I guess regrows his head every year and, like, comes back to fight Gawain weird yeah and then um there's also the headless uh, there's there's obviously this the the legend of sleepy hollow written by washington irving which i'll get into later because that really solidified its place in american folklore um and then there's also written by main reed um and just called the headless horseman which was first published as um, monthly serial monthly serials during 1865 and 1866, um, and it was released as a full book in 1866. It was based off his own adventures around the U.S. It's also known as a strange tale of Texas, and in this read wrote of the local Texan folk tale of their own headless horseman and just like sprinkled in uh, information about his uh, adventures around the country. All right. So the tale of sleepy hollow was written in 1820. And it's, it's just a short story. It's, it's a short story written by Washington Irving. And it's, it's um, from a collection of short stories entitled The Sketchbook of Jeffrey Crayon. I think 
knight or gentleman. I believe he had a title. So it'd be and sir. it just sir okay yeah. and um yeah and it just like it wormed it like it 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 put a brain worm in all of the people that heard it and just cemented it into folklore almost like making people believe that it genuinely was a real New England creature that appeared. Um, so, so maybe the headless horseman is a tulpa. We we don't know. So it like Mandela affected itself. Kind of, yeah. So the original story is based on truth mm-hmm. because there were. Um, so, so in the story, a headless Hessian soldier um, during the American Revolutionary War um, got his head blown off by a cannonball, yeah. and his comrades buried him really quickly, but obviously couldn't collect all of the shards of his head, and he felt like that was... Um, that that was disrespectful that was wrong that was his 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 uh his reason for coming back um and this battle took there was an actual battle that took place around where sleepy hollow new york is um called the battle of white plains on october 28th in 1776 this this was a real thing that genuinely did happen. In the story, that that soldier was buried in the cemetery of the old Dutch church of Sleepy Hollow, from which he rises as a malevolent ghost, furiously seeking his lost head, sometimes wielding a jack-o'-lantern as a temporary replacement and or weapon. Okay, that, that's the... Um, version that I know that he's looking for his head and sometimes will have a jack-o'-lantern head. Yeah. Um, a lot of modern versions um, the story refers to his rides on Halloween because that's that's around when the battle took place and like it just makes it like a little bit spookier. Right. Um, so a lot of people believe that Washington Irving got the idea to write this from that actual historical account of a Hessian soldier loose. I got the hiccups. Mm-hmm. Motherfucking travesty. Um, believe he got this idea because the soldier actually did lose his head in that like graphic way, and they just did a really hasty burial of him. And so, um, and then there's the obvious, um, when he wrote this, he was a little bit younger or when he lived in New York, New England, he was younger and there were ghost stories going around and being told. So he was kind of influenced by those into his writing ages. 
he had recently become friends with another author. And this author, like, wrote something that probably also um, really inspired him to inspired him to write something else. Um, um, Olivia Bradley, who's a historic a historian at the historic Hudson Valley, says that um, a likely source for Irving's uh, Headless Horseman can be found in Sir Walter Scott's The Chase, which is um, a translation of a German poem called The Wild Huntsman by Gottfried Berger, Berger and was that was likely based on North, Norse mythology. Irving had just met Scott and became friends in 1817, so it's very likely that he was influenced by his new mentor's work. And in the poem, a wicked hunter who is doomed to be hunted forever by the devil and the dogs of hell as punishment for his crimes, or there is a wicked hunter who is doomed to be hunted forever by the devil and the dogs of hell for as a punishment for his crimes. Um, so a lot of people think like he was just like slowly collecting information and just like ideas from other people and the places around him. And then he was told a specific story that like really cemented the idea in his head and gave him the idea to write the uh the Sleepy the legend Hollow. of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And so because he wrote this and it just it blew up in like coming years and because um not only is it just like a spooky story, but um, it's also like Disney create. Yeah, it, it is. It is. It's pretty much historical fiction. So Disney created a an animated movie about it. I think almost every single year Disney does something with a headless horseman. I know we were watching some episode of Mickey Mouse the other day, and there was like a a, a child-friendly version of a headless horseman. But the, in their Halloween specials, there is almost always some version of a headless horseman. Um, Tim Burton's 1999? I believe it came out in 1999. Movie Sleepy Hollow. All about Sleepy Hollow. Um, Headless Horsemen are just littered throughout our our media and almost everything we consume during the month of October and especially on Halloween. Because Irving just like sat down and wrote a story one day because he heard a couple stories himself and it just like really found a foothold and created a space for itself in American folklore. 
I mean, people really like things like that. They like gory, weird, spooky things, even if they say they don't. It, it's like a um, morbid curiosity. Morbid curiosity is a really great, good way to put it. I was going to say, like, um, a grim fascination. Yeah, that that's a good way to put it. Yeah, too. like, like, um, I mean, otherwise, why would, uh, why would we keep making, like, scary movies? And why would true crime be, like, such a big thing? Because, like, we just have this inherent fascination with things that are grim and dark um, so I do I don't have the original story that Irving was told because it was probably a word of mouth story right? more than likely but I do have a retelling of the story um, called The Headless Horseman A New York Ghost Story retold by S.E. Goldsler? Schoolsler? So, The Headless Horseman, a New York ghost story retold by S.E. Slosher. And I can read that to you because I have it right in front of me. Give me the spooky. Okay. One cold night, early in the New York. Nope. <laughs> One cold winter night. <laughs> Early in the new year, a certain Dutchman left the tavern in Terrytown and started walking to his home in the hollow nearby. His path led next to the old Sleepy Hollow Cemetery, where a headless Hessian soldier was buried. At midnight, the Dutchman came within sight of the graveyard. The weather had warmed up during the week, and the snow was almost gone from the road. It was a dark night with no moon, and the only light came from his lantern. The Dutchman was nervous about passing the graveyard, remembering the rumors of a galloping ghost that he had heard at the tavern. He stumbled along, humming to himself to keep up his courage. Suddenly, his eye was caught by a light rising from the ground in the cemetery. He stopped, his heart pounding in fear. Before he stared, before he startled, before his startled eyes, a white mist burst forth from an unmarked grave and formed into a large horse carrying a headless rider. The Dutchman let out a terrible scream as the horse leapt toward him at a full gallop. He took to his heels running as fast as he could, making for the bridge since he knew that ghosts and evil spirits did not care to cross running water. He stumbled suddenly and fell, rolling off the road into a melting patch of snow. The headless rider thundered past him, and the man got a, got a second look at the headless ghost. It was wearing a Hessian commander's uniform. The Dutchman waited a good hour after the ghost disappeared before crawling out of the bushes and making his way home. After fortifying himself with snops, the Dutchman told his wife about the ghost. 
By noon of the next day, the story was all over Terrytown. The good Dutch folk were divided in their opinions. Some thought that the ghost must be roaming the roads in, at night in search of its head. Others claimed that the Hessian soldier rose from the grave to lead the Hessian soldiers in a charge up nearby Chatten, Chatterton Hill, not knowing that the hill had already been taken by the British. Whatever the reason, the Headless Horseman continues to roam the roads near Terrytown on dark nights from that day to this. The end. Sorry, I was just giggling about the fact that he just shotgunned some schnapps. I was like, Emma, listen to this. <laughs> listen to this shit I just saw. It was a very harrowing ordeal. <laughs> Okay, no, but like the idea of him running into the house, grabbing a bottle, chugging some peppermint schnapps, and just being like, Woman! (laughs) You'll never believe this shit. (laughs) Because that's that's like legit probably what's going to happen. Um, but... Now I'm just thinking about that. It's a great image. <laughs> it is. Some, it is a great image. Just some poor Dutchman getting drunk off his ass so he can tell his wife this unbelievable shit he just saw about a horse <laughs> and his headless rider. Yeah. Yeah. And no, just like, like Johan. <laughs> You're seeing things again. How much did you have to drink before you walked home? Go to bed. Come in here drinking my schnapps. I don't think so. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was um, that was the retelling of a folktale that was used by Irving to create the legend of Sleepy Hollow. And um, that's really all the information I was able to find on it, because after that, it just goes into all of the different places we see it in media and how the media has changed our idea of how we see the Headless Horseman and how in some cases we don't even see it as like this super scary thing anymore. We more just see it as a nope and out of that way. Instead of a, oh god, he's he's gonna come and take my head. I've seen it as comedic when they have the um, jack-o'-lantern head, and they just, like, bop it off his shoulders, and he's just like, no, my head. Yeah, like, we've taken this, like, scary tale that was told, um, because, um, originally... Ichabod Crane just goes missing at the end of the story. Spoiler warnings if you've never heard the tale of Sleepy Hollow. Because, like, he he leaves a party where his feelings were, were rebuffed by a girl. And he's, like, dejected and feeling sorry for himself. And he crosses the graveyard the headless horseman goes after him he tries to go over the river 
um, the headless horseman throws, I believe he throws a skull at Ichabod. (laughs) Like just one of the skulls he has attached to him because he has like a belt of skulls. Throws a skull at Ichabod, right? Um, Knocks him off the horse. And then it immediately skips to the next day where his horse is seen with his saddle off, the reins on the ground, grazing by the riverbed. But Ichabod is never seen in town again. So so you take it from this um, like scary tale about the newcomer of town, the new school teacher just going absolute, just absolutely vanishing into thin air in the middle of the night, who, oh no, you booped my head off. Whatever <laughs> will I do without my jack-o'-lantern? I need it to, to do things. Yeah. And so, like, media's really, um, fucking 180'd the way we see the Headless Horseman, which is really interesting because it started with media as this, like, horrifying scary thing, and it's 180'd into we can make this a joke. I mean... This isn't as scary. A joke if you try hard enough. That's true. That's very true. There, I'm gonna argue that there are some things you shouldn't make a joke of, but you can make anything a joke if you try hard enough. Trump did a good enough job of himself the last four years. But, um... (laughs) (laughs) That man was a joke before he even started. Yeah, yeah, he was. Fucking saying he didn't want Braille in his elevators because it took away from the curb appeal. Bitch. Your name attached to anything takes away from the appeal. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that was the information I was able to find on Sleepy Hollow. So, uh, the Headless Horseman could very well be a tulpa that we created and then transformed into a joke. Now watch it 360 and become a nightmare. I don't... <laughs> I'm good with it being a joke. <laughs> Look, man, I don't think I'd be okay if I went on a night walk and suddenly there was a a headless being on a terrifying horse with a belt of skulls chasing after me. There is no running water near me. I would just be dead. I don't know. I think I'd willingly go. I want to see what would happen. You'd lose your head. That's what would happen. But how do you know? Because he's looking for a replacement. Well, he could just, like, stick his hand down in a grave and get one that way. Fresh grave. Free head. <gasps> it's free real estate. It's free real estate. <laughs> <laughs> um. Except he can't do that anymore because now we put people in vaults. Not all the time. So he would need almost all the time. Mm. Like, there have to be, 
like specific conditions for you to not have a have a burial uh, vault. I don't think I've ever seen a burial vault. I've been to a fair number of funerals. I don't think there's ever been a burial vault. It's normally just like it just kind of looks like concrete around the dirt. And that's what they lower the coffin into. Instead of just like lowering a coffin into direct dirt. No. Maybe like once, but that's it. I don't think I've ever seen one past that. Huh. Well, you're fucked if there's a zombie uprising. Not so much, because they were all East Coast funerals. So, uh... Well, I'm you're fucked. <laughs> you're fucked. <laughs> Have fun. They're normally used just so there's, like, no worries of, like, leaching. Um, like, chemicals leaching out of the body into mm -hmm. the ground soil. Okay. And, like, causing crops to die or, like, water supply to be filled with formaldehyde. You know... So, I'm thinking about that now, and why would they put a graveyard uphill from a water source? Uh, so, I don't know if this is the reason, or if it was just, like, the plot of land that they were able to buy, because that's just as valid of a... An account like that might have been just like the plot of land they were able to segment off to use for burials but it is a long-standing belief that evil malevolent up to no good uh entities souls whatever you want to call them have a extremely difficult time crossing running water. I mean, there's bridges. Yeah, no, they can't they have a hard time doing any kind of that. Like, they can't cross the bridge. Like, they have a hard time crossing the okay. bridge. Okay. Kind of like, um, you know how with vampires? Yeah. Like, they can't, cr like, one of the things is they can't cross running water, so they can't cross oceans. Unless they're, like, in their coffin and, like, secluded away. Mm -hmm. So, like, the same belief kind of holds with, like, any form of malevolent entity that they can't really cross running water. So, like, it might have been the belief that they were, like, segmenting them off so only spirits that had good intention could cross and like find uh family members or like do whatever and then anything that had bad intentions was stuck in the graveyard okay that makes sense yeah so like that could be one thing like that that could be part of a reason it could also just be like they were poor and needed to put their daughter that died of cholera somewhere and the backyard was the best option. Maybe then, but not like a hundred years later. Yeah, no. Like, uh, 
But once you put one grave, why not just keep putting them there? I could think of a few reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, same. <laughs> top amongst them, I don't want to look out my window and see that. Yeah, I feel like that would be a very bittersweet reminder. <laughs> yeah, no, so, um, but, like, that that has been, like, a long-standing belief where, like, you segment off a graveyard with, like, a stream or a creek or a river, and then nothing bad can leave the graveyard, basically. But that also means nothing bad can enter the graveyard, so if somehow something bad does get out, it can't go back in. So then you just, like, double-fucked yourself. <laughs> you know, how you do when you don't plan things out thoroughly. Yeah. Just be cremated or turned into fertilizer and haunt a forest. Or, like, uh, uh, there's people that choose to be, like, buried as a, under trees, or, like, I guess it would be the fertilizer one, because they make trees grow. Yeah, those, like, pods. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's a relatively new thing where, like, they turn your body into, like, Is it it's the... almost mulch. Ah, okay. Like, they, they turn your body into, like, a type of fertilizing mulch. And you can be used in, like, gardens. <laughs> Compost. You are now compost. Thank you, you are now for comp your contribution to the earth. Another I told Kyle I want to do that. Yeah, I told Kyle I want to do that, and then I want to be sprinkled throughout a forest so I can haunt a whole forest. Do it. Um, oh, I want. To, I want to be the forest ghost. I want to be cremated and then pressurized into a stone and then inlaid into a dagger that is um, uh, engraved with Avenge Me. <laughs> Are you being murdered? I don't know. Just Did avenge me. Murder you? It doesn't matter. Avenge me. <laughs> If that dagger ever, ever, ever falls into my hands, I'm going to prominently display it and yes, make up some do. wild ass story. Do wild it. ass story about about who you were and how you lived and how like <laughs> my grandkids will not know what to do with old me. I am going to be a problem, <laughs> and it will be their issue. Do it. And then I will haunt your house, and then at the appropriate moments, I will make uh, spooky things happen for you while you tell your story. In, in the middle of the story, towards the end, where I'm gearing up the heartfelt, but I could adventure if a plate just goes flying. It's just like, yeah, I know, I tried! And then I'll just open some doors and start slamming them. <laughs> Fucking footfalls on the steps, really mad, just grumpy, like, fump, 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 fump. Sometimes I can still hear her voice. <laughs> <laughs> quit telling, quit telling people I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
to quit telling people I'm dead. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Yes. <laughs> that is that is the perfect way to have your have your body uh uh permanently remembered. <laughs> Beautiful, gorgeous, never change. <laughs> Anyway, that was our Halloween episode. <laughs> and our plans after death. <laughs> there you go, guys. <laughs> I'm gonna haunt a forest. Lynn is gonna haunt me. <laughs> be great. It'll be fun. We will make it everyone else's problem once we are dead. Because <laughs> it's not ours anymore. We are dead. <laughs> Um, if you like us, you can follow us on Facebook. Uh, coast to Coast Cryptids. We have a Twitter. At C2CC Podcast. A Tumblr. At Coast to Coast Cryptids. And if you like us and want to send us an email or want to send in a story of your own, we got that too. Uh, coast to coast cryptids at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and have the best Halloween ever. <laughs> Go- it's legally required because I said so. <laughs> Thank you and good night. <laughs>